Sophie. We clean Danny, Lily, and the wizard. No wizard. Why is he a wizard? Because he looks like a lizard. Who? Steve, he's so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, Busso has just been completed. Busso Ironman, the big race to uh, sort of tail end the the season for everyone. It's a real interesting one because um, people are coming into it tired at the end of the year or they're on fire. It's it's a really hard one to predict. We were all over there. Steve was racing. Um, from your perspective, Steve, welcome. And how did you find it, mate? Uh, I find it a little bit... Um frustrating because i i didn't really use any tactics i just got frustrated that at the um bike group basically just no one coming forward to pull a turn and then it just kind of fired me up enough to follow every move that dan backergaard made once he did start making them around 60k so he just kind of sat at the back very tactical and um and then i just was so sick of um, sharing the load with Jack Zizinski. Apo came through, but no one else, not a single person in that eight-man group, um, despite my swear words and yelling and, and waving through. But anyway, um, I just ended up just trying to pretend to fix my shoe because I was like, I'm going to force someone to come to the front now um, and I'm going to go to the back and maybe talk with Daniel. Um, and at that point, Daniel made a huge move and it just seemed like a cycling race from then on everyone eventually got dropped besides apo he had a crash so um when i was on the run and had kind of done my race thinking maybe the run won't happen with this foot injury i've got uh, turned out a bit like that so i'm happy not having tactics on the bike and just going for it because it'll it would have ended up pretty average on the run anyway but it made me kind of less angry and um, just appreciative that I did get to finish and come forth because poor Apo came all that way. Um, arguably had a much better training block than me, uh, was going to do well and had that crash. So that's kind of sums up my race in a small sentence. Uh, <laughs> well, it's not, or, it's, not or, argue, it's not arguable. He definitely had a better <laughs> than you. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. <laughs> but, we, but it's always arguable how anyone would go. Um, but, yeah, he'd done an awesome prep and I really feel for him. He, he was an age gripper just jammed on the brakes when they had a slight um, mechanical on the course and Apo went straight up the back of them at like 50K an hour and just com- bike was pretty beat up. He's pretty... We don't know if anything's serious yet. He's he's actually gotten worse since the race um, with his hip. So just gutting. I think it's very it's very hard if you haven't been in it, but it's 12 weeks of work for literally little to no paycheck sometimes, if not more. And he'd put in a really solid block. And, and as I said on the podcast last time, it's very rare to have a prep without sick kids and things go wrong. And he had one of those unusual preps. So it was, it was yes, yeah, super, super disappointing. Um, I think that given everything you'd been through, I still think fourth place is just partly attributed to just your mental toughness as well. Like you just know how to suffer and the way you were surging on the bike and even looking through the bike data, I'm like, Oh man, this could be a three and a half hour marathon. <laughs> and then, You know, you were the one closing the gaps. You're the ones making, making the moves. And um, 
yeah, we might try a different tactic next race. But yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> on that, on that, Steve, if you had your time over, what and and we'll preface this with both Reedy and I standing on the sidelines saying, "Don't be on the bloody front the whole time." Um, <laughs> w- what would you change? Would you would you change anything about the way you attacked that bike ride? Yeah, uh, y- yes, but it was it's a tough one because. Uh, you either sit on the front and drag eight blokes along the whole race because they will keep up if I just push my Ironman power um, and then potentially they'll outrun you and I don't even come fourth. Um, or you um, you go with those moves but only to a certain point and then you ride your race power. So I don't know. I, yeah, if I had my time again, I'd probably try um, not going with guard that first time he went and just let him be a mate because he is so strong. And... Um, we did work together eventually, which was really good. But that was once we got rid of a few more people. I think he needed in his head to get rid of um, passengers. Um, and so he had a good tactic for that. But I just raced like an idiot. And so it, it's given me love love for the sport finally since Europe. Um, and, you know, I've got fire in my belly finally to go and get it right because once you screw something up like this, um, uh, you want to do it again. So I'll go and do, I reckon, at this point, New Zealand. Um, and it's annoying. I've got my break now, but I finally actually want to do some training. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but yeah, I, I did say to one of the Danish blokes, don't know his name, won't look it up because I'll get too angry. Um, it was just him left. And if you're covered, if you, it's 130K in, if you've covered all of Daniel's moves, like myself, and you're the only one left out of eight, um, clearly you could have come to the front at least once. So I slammed on the brakes at that point got level with him and I said, I said, pull an effing turn. Where's your pride? You're racing with no dignity, you C word. And I was pretty, <laughs> I was pretty fired up. And then after the race, um, he just smiled at me yeah. and just did nothing still. I'm like, I wish I could race like this, but I just can't bring myself to. Um, so I'll just, yes, very long answer, but I reckon I would let, Daniel is stronger than me on the bike. I would I would look around and go, who's stronger than me? If they're pushing over my Ironman power, which I think's actually going to get me a good time overall, I've got confidence in that now. Um, then I'll just let people go and I'll do my own thing because I'll run fast off my Ironman power. Well, the the guy that you uh, verbally abused on course ran a two fifty eight, mate. So he wasn't something that you had to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think the hard people for people understand too on a flat, fast course like that. You, you're not just talking like 10 or 15 watts advantage sitting legally behind other riders. You're talking 30 to 50 watts, uh, um, especially the higher the speed, the bigger the advantage. And so you guys were in certain directions. You're going 55K an hour. The guy on the front's pushing 50, 60 watts more. And an easy solution to that is let's extend that draft zone. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we could bang our heads on the wall for that one for a while, but it's very hard in the age group race to extend it because of the numbers. But I still think in the pro race, that's a, that's a really good option because, um, or, you know, Steve, you're going to just have to, if, you, if you're going to have to join the game a little bit and be a bit more tactical, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but I do love that you race with pride and dignity. And, and I think we've seen your, I think this was a really good, um, demonstration of where your cycling has got to because I, I, I agree with you. I think Daniel is so strong and um, to be able to hold him, you know, to a really good time is is impressive. So good on you. And 
Speaking of Daniel, he's coming on, hopefully. So we'll get to quiz him a bit more about the race and chat about a few other things. The whole weekend in general, um, Clint, I actually hadn't been to Busso for a while and I was impressed. The last time I raced it, I felt like it had sort of, the vibe had dropped off a bit, but it's got, it's a, like, not, I don't still don't think quite up there for me is like Port Macquarie is, but it is a pretty amazing atmosphere. Um, I was, it was a great weekend. And first of all, I also want to just say big shout out to the Coa guys who put on a lot of extra little events around the, um, around the weekend. And it was really fun that they included, especially as I wouldn't call us a rival coaching company. We do quite different, like it's a bit different and there's plenty of athletes for everyone, but it was fun to be a part of it. Um, the beer mile, the drinks afterwards, all that sort of thing. So cheers the, to those guys. The performance <laughs> of the national anthem by a paid performer at said beer mile was <laughs> one of the highlights of the weekend. No, it was um, it was a very good event. Like the whole weekend, so yeah, there was a good vibe there, Reedy. Um, it was a question I got asked this week. Someone slid into my DMs and said, righto, hypothetical, rank the three races top to bottom. And I was like, well, it's a really tough one because that's Port, Cairns and Bustleton. Um, they all provide something different and they're all really good races. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really good vibe. Um, conditions seemed pretty good on the bike. Like it was really windy on the run. I wouldn't necessarily say it was like conditions for fast running. Um, but yeah, overall a really good, really enjoyable weekend for all. Um, and let's just talk about the pro race in general. Let's start with the women's race. Um, Clint, your thoughts? I mean, Lisa Norton was astonishing with her bike ride, and I, I saw the guys she was riding with, um, and I know some of their power, and they weren't they weren't slacking on the bike. Um, so to ride, I think it's the fastest 180K um, time trial in Ironman for women to date, so like a world record in that regard four hours, 20 minutes, um, probably did pay for it a little bit on the run, but, um, toughed it out for, I've lost the results. So I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's three. Yeah. It was a three eleven, three eleven. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a good, it was a good race. I, th- I do think that yet again, it'd be good because those guys, yeah, we, we see their power numbers and they were very complimentary of Lisa said that she came through them and they were like, wow. It's incredibly demoralizing to be um, sitting legally with a female on the course because they were all riding so well as a group at that time. So, um, yeah, she got off the bike. um, I think it was about five or six minutes ahead of Fenella and Fenella ended up with a 3.03 marathon to get the win by three minutes over Lisa. And then Lottie Wilms was in third with a 3.10 marathon. Um, yet again, the ladies keeping it interesting uh, all the way to the end. Yeah, it was a phenomenal day. race. I I just think for Lisa, um, her career has spanned a long time now and the things she's achieved, I really, I've put out the feelers to try and actually get her contact to get her on the show for next next time around because, um, yeah, like just sort of done it all in the sport and still going strong and to still have that passion is uh, is very admirable. It'd be something um, very interesting to find out how she stays mentally on top for such an extended period. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Do you, does anyone know what happened with Elts Visa? Because that Fenella and her 
gotten that sprint finish the weekend before. And then Else was fourth and probably she'd say she had a bad day, but Fenella had a fantastic day. So that's strange. I just, I don't know who backs it up well. She's, um, they're both European, both it's, raced a lot. It's probably something that we actually talked about the week before that race in terms of racing the week before. It can be, can be good, can be bad with the travel. The difference is um, Fenella swims really well. And so she would have swam through a lot of the um, the pro men and so would have been in in with some of, I'm not saying, like, but to have company on the bike, right, where Els was a swimmer 102 high. So she came through town the first lap and was really riding hard, but she was totally on her own. So I feel like having company can be a, a, make the day a lot um, more enjoyable. And, yeah, it might, it might just be a case that, she raced so hard that she spewed over the line in Challenge Canberra. Um, mm-hmm. It may have been a bit bit too taxing to um, go and do it again the next week. Definitely a very deep effort from Els. So um, you can't, like, there's the emotional toll of that as much as the physical. Um, we saw, just back onto the how fast the bike was, the wind was a little bit different to usual. Is that That's right, isn't it, Clint? And, and I think people think a headwind and tailwind could is a bad thing, but it tends to actually equal much faster times than a crosswind. Because with a crosswind, you're sort of working against it the whole time, and it really does lower your power because you, you're putting a lot more energy through the upper body and stabilizing your front wheel. Head and tail, you do get it. Whatever you're losing on the head, you sort of get back with the tail. And the way people are dialed in now, like Lisa's position looks phenomenal. Um, it's yeah, it like across the board, just spectacular bike times and the roads over here. And not that quick. We don't have the motorcade like a lot of European races. Um, so it was just some dead set fast riding and fast wind conditions, but not not particularly fast roads. So I just think the level continued to go up. A bit of luck with the wind, but uh, far out it was. People were flying on the bike. Uh, we, I think a special mention to the first age group or two. We were, he was, his performance was like, very comparable to Dan Plew's result in uh, California because obviously he had a bit tight assisted swim or, or current assisted swim in California. But Alex Stewart, 57 swim, a 416 bike and a 250 run. That was amazing. Um, he only so. trained eight weeks leading into this as well. He'd been doing shit all and he's an SAS apparently. I just can't believe it. It's unbelievable that he could not hardly train and then do that. Eight, eight, ten as an age group. Everyone's everyone's definition of hardly train is different. Yeah. So Steve yeah. will Steve will do about twenty hours a week in his off season and be blowing up. <laughs> he hasn't done anything. No, you're going to do a proper off season, aren't you, Steve? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, On to the men's side of things. Obviously, Daniel got the win. Berto had a really good day in second, and then. Nick Thompson in third. Um, would love to give some love to Nick. He got off the bike. Well, he got out of the water actually for the first lap, right? And Reedy and I were standing there and we're just amazed how hard he seemed to be working. He rode out on the bike, seemed to be working very, very hard. He got off the bike, was limping because he was cramping. And I would have bet my house that he was going to be walking half that marathon. And I would have lost my house because he toughed it out for a 250 marathon. So that was that was so impressive. 
Yeah, I have a whole new level of respect for Nick as well. I, I said to you, even when he did the little Aussie exit in the swim, he was red and he was sprinting because I knew, I knew he would have been frustrated with where he was at with the swim. He's just sprinting and I'm like, oh, I remember making those mistakes. That's going to be a long day. And then he um, and then he just pulled it off. So, yeah, um, it was good. We are recording, Daniel. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. Oh, do we not have the pleasure of video? Uh, yeah, just a sec. Just a sec. I just had to say a dump, so I'm uh, on the way here back. Can't not have you on um, camera, Daniel. Oh. You're so good looking. And this is we didn't oh. we didn't mean to do this, Daniel, but we've got Birdo, Matt Burton joining us exactly at the same time. It's just been a bit of a conflict, but you guys can. We will just talk about all the yeah, same then things. Yeah, then, I'm, then I'm not going to be on this. Then I'm not going to be on this show. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you won't. You won't say on because you'll be the second most beautiful human on the podcast today. Is that right? Yeah, I can't <laughs> handle that. My ego. My ego will, will take a hit now. You guys in the same place? Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys out running together? Just in the in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> um congratulations daniel how i mean you i've got to admit when you won canberra i was like oh shit he's he's maybe maybe he's cooked his legs for busso and then you went and proved me wrong and i was saying to clint it's almost a different era now with you know potentially the shoes make a big difference people recover quite well but did you were you confident that you could pull off you know a 70.3 and then that would help with the iron man or were you a bit was there a part of you that was a little bit worried um, <clears throat> like, I think there's a, there's a lot of different, um, obviously there's a lot of different aspects to it. Um, obviously like one of the main reasons why I came, uh, I came to Can Canberra and decided to raise that one was, um, partly because I haven't raced since, um, since Singapore and I know I'm kind of a guy who needs a bit of racing to to actually do well um then there's also the financial aspect of it uh, it's not cheap for me to actually go uh, go to Australia and um and race also I needed I needed some some crew here and you know it just it costs a lot of money so um I was fortunate enough to um to be paid by Canberra to come and also both promote and also race the race. Um, um, so, you know, that played into, that, that was actually the major part of the, of the decision of, of going to Canberra. Um, speaking of um, like fatigue and stuff like that, obviously the shoes helps a lot. Uh, but I think actually from, from hearing from a lot of guys, um, who've been in the, on the scene for, for many years, I think, to be honest, it just com comes down to smarter training and like better decisions in terms of recovery and, and focus on like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain that the amount of training I do on a weekly basis um, and the fatigue I kind of carry from week to week is um, quite the same, to be honest. Um, 
you know, having those like 30 to, uh, to 34 hours of training consistently is obviously that, that, that plays a huge part in, in being able to recover well. And, um, it, it didn't really cross my mind that, you know, I was, I, I wouldn't be able to recover fast enough for, for Western Australia. Um, but then I was there uh, laying on the ground after a crash in Canberra, and I thought like, "Oh shit!" Um, that was uh, that was the exact exact thing that was not supposed to happen. And um, yeah, in r- race week, I also had uh, a bit of problems with uh, yeah ribs and and a sore body. So um, obviously, racing stuff can stuff can happen you you don't really like can foresee or or um, yeah see from the future of yeah from the future but it's yeah i think it it didn't really cross my mind before that that the fatigue would be high high enough for, for me not to be able to race in a perfect race in camera um and 100 the super shoes helps a lot like i can do I can do threshold sessions uh, three times a week um, and not really have any problems with my with my lower legs or um, or anything. And you, no way in hell you would be able to do that just like six years ago. Um, Daniel, because I know Birdo's in a bit of a hurry, I'm just going to flick, ask him a few questions, and then if you don't mind, I'll jump back to you. But Birdo, Birdo, congratulations! Like a result that. We all knew you were capable of, but it'd been a while between, you know, awesome races and a bit of a relief, I'm guessing, towards the end of the year, especially <laughs> with a new bike sponsor and other things, and you, and obviously being a dad now as well. Can you? Yeah, thanks. Can you hear me? Yeah, got you. Yeah, sweet. Um, yeah, it's a relief. I, I mean, I don't want to set a precedence where I'm only good at home, but it's it's always got to be a place I got to start being all right. Um, but yeah, I. Start of the year was terrible. I was trying to race with niggles and I'm not, you know, when you're mid thirties, you're not bouncing up as quickly or you can't sort of flush it out, flush it out as fast. You actually have to take some time and give some care to it. But uh, yeah, mid year in Singapore, you know, a lot of us got belted around, but I just seemed to bring home everything that Singapore had to offer. Um, so I had a parasite that was wrong, misdiagnosed by two hospitals Uh yeah, I, I don't think I've ever been that sick um, to the point where, like, my wife was actually worried, which is, you know, you know what it's like, boys. It's not too <laughs> common that your wife gets worried about <laughs> when you're whinging about fatigue all the time. So, um, yeah, it just made me address my health a bit more, uh, a lot more, actually, in terms of, uh, you know, that same thing. You're not 21. So, if I'm going to try and line up and, and race well, like, you to go to Busso now and, and win the race, I, I figured you had to break the course record. And I did it, but <laughs> I just got we just got spanked, that's all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Berto, um, yeah. you were known as a really high-volume um, trainer, mm-hmm. and Daniel touched on the amount of load he can get through as well. Now that you're yeah. a dad, and I remember for me, I used to always just be so jealous sometimes of the – managing kids and no sleep and everything else. Have you had to ch- adjust that volume that you've been able to do? Um, oh, look, I, I probably carried my biggest volume period ever. Just from once I got healthy, I 
it was all coming to me a lot nicer. I was probably two months at, um, you know, 160 hours for the month. So for me, I was really happy how I was moving, but I do, I still see my son um, on Mondays. <laughs> I, I actually look after him. That's my rest day, sort of. It's not really hey day. When they're at yeah. two, Steve, you know, <laughs> yeah. nothing about rest. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, then I, we're, I'm extremely lucky. My mum and dad are close by. Uh, we've actually, with property prices and stuff in Perth at the moment, we've moved back in with my mother-in-law uh, mid-year. So she's been fantastic. We essentially have a live-in nanny, right, when I need to shoot for small sessions. And then, um, yeah, he heads to his other pop as well. Um who wants to hang out with with him? So it's where I'm. Kim and I are lucky that Tom's such a good a good sleeper as well. We've you know I'll probably I don't know if we'll have another one. He sleeps twelve hours a night. So um, yeah, I, I, I kind of adjusted, but I honestly felt like there was a period in the training where I I wasn't home. Like I was leaving home because we're living up the hill in Perth now. So pools and stuff are sort of towards town. I would leave home at five in the morning and I'd come home at six thirty or seven. Like I take everything with me for the day, um, which yeah, I got really good at packing lunches and it's like being back at school again. Yeah. So uh, I'm not saying I want to go there all the time, but I felt like I needed to get back to that point in training load to set myself up for, for Busso and and the year, next year. Like how, I, I, how I long were that. you? Yeah. How long were you out of action post Singapore, Berto? Yeah. And do you think that when you actually got going again there was a new like you were so fresh from being out of action for so long that it played into like a really good prep into Bustleton. Yeah, yeah I was bedridden for a week. Um I, I heard Daniel say about he could barely couldn't walk. It it was unbelievable. Like I'd never sat on the toilet so much in my life. Um <laughs> and then the next week took me a while just for energy level sake and then I tried to get into sort of a couple of 30 hour weeks. Um, and it was really difficult. So it wasn't until probably a month where I cracked through to start to feel a bit normal again. Um, and then I met up, met with a bloke that's been helping me now for, through to Busso. Um, I've, I've always sort of been self, I guess, self-coached. Tyler Butterfield helped me early in the year, but I just wanted to understand the science a bit more and what I was trying to put myself through at a bit of an older age. And he was like, oh, mate, you might struggle to pick yourself up for Busso uh, to go what you need to go. And I was like, yeah, you know, we've all got that ego too, right? Where it's like, yeah, I'll be right. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll find my feet. You know, it's plenty of time. Like when you're putting those hours in a week, one week is a lot of work. You can, mm-hmm. you can turn things around really quickly if you can be super consistent. And then um, the decision to go to Melbourne, look, it's well known that a flat, fast half is not something that maybe tailors to me, but race conditioning is so important and that's you know talking about challenge Canberra I'm a big advocate for that style of it I think you, you really harden yourself physically and mentally when you race um, but I had to carry quite a bit of training load through Melbourne so that's why I was coming home I was super positive how how that went because I haven't contested a half in maybe ever really Beto <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah. ran I ran past you at Melbourne towards the yeah. end of the, ma- the half marathon, and I when I saw your calves, <laughs> I said I said that's the first time I've ever seen Def <laughs> on Berto's calves, and he's gonna yeah. win, he's gonna win Busso. <laughs> yeah, so so it is mid year. I actually when I spent a bit of time with the doctor, I've been suffering for ever. I have an autoimmune disease, um, stomach stomach and back related, 
um, that caused me to hold a lot of information. So, yeah, it's been understanding that and going through, you know, the right medication to make sure. So essentially all the years of back issue is due to this. Uh, my, my spine's been trying to fuse itself. Um, but, you know, the, the doctor was sort of like, oh, wow, like, yeah, you're, you're in trouble. And I was like, no, I'm f- I feel great. Like, what, what is the process? And that's where the addressing health is, you know, it, it's hard because I wouldn't have gone and, and investigated it had Singapore not broken me. So um, thanks to the PTO. Yeah, um, Berto, <laughs> conscious, yeah. That, conscious that you're almost out of time. Um, Daniel, oh, too, right. this is a question for both of you. A little, we just sort of, we sort of do a few, a little bit of a chat about, um, you know, where you're at with your racing, but then we just talk about a few different topics. And Daniel, we can 100% edit out anything you want at the end because <laughs> we're going to play a few different games. But to start with, question that we're wondering, let's say you had um, unlimited funding, unlimited money. What would you do to create, uh, to make triathlon way more spectator friendly or just turn it into a super sport that everyone wanted to watch? Uh, I've got my own ideas on this, but I want to throw it to you guys first. Berto, you, do you want to kick it off and then Daniel can have a think because <laughs> it looks like he's pondering. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a few people in the sport at the moment trying to do this right um, and those budgets seem to run out. So <laughs> if you had an endless surplus... I mean, TV, media is where it, it goes to, right, in terms of if you can get a mainstream audience, but the sport's too long. Um, and unfortunately, I reckon, and it's like cycling, you need to you need to create like uh, almost get guys to buy into one another's um, sort of optimism or their, their goals in a race. So it's like, come on, mate, like the French want to go up the road because it's Bastille Day, right? Um, you know, you got to make – so then the team sort of – allow that to happen and create the, the sort of a, allow the race to narrate itself. Mm. And I think, I don't know, it's not that we all need to be super good friends and, and give one another a couple of hours um, to go up the road, but it, to make it bigger and, and more spectator friendly, we need to, yeah, the egos need to come through in a nice way where we're actually putting on a show for people. Otherwise, we're all seem to we all seem crazy. You speak to a normal person, and they're like, "Oh no, you, it's not normal, right? Like it's just for you're a psycho." Like, you know, I've I've been fortunate this in this last period to work with a bloke, and they just don't quite understand. And oh, mate, I, I you could have this conversation all day long. I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you would have some great ideas ready. You, you really uh, picked the sport I mean, apart I, well, I've, but I've always. Th- well, if I was actually really just ignoring the traditions of the sport and just going yeah. to make it spectator friendly, I've always thought um, you've got to include some sort of cliff jumping in the swim. So run through, <laughs> seriously high cliff jump. And then on the bike, um, road bikes only and yeah, paint, right. paintball guns. So you can take people out. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Paintball guns. And then on the, on the run, any sort of contact is allowed except for striking. <laughs> So you, you just, it's, it's like full wow. grappling. You can jujitsu people out. Change. Yeah, exactly. We and should be able to gamble as well. Yeah. <laughs> if, we, if we can put yeah, it on yeah. TV and yeah. gamble on it, everyone's going to want to watch it. I'll yeah, watch absolutely. it if I if I got money on Daniel to win. I'd yeah. load. I would have loaded up on Daniel, and I would have been watching every minute of it. 
going, shit, McKenna looks close. Oh, wait, he's shit. <laughs> well, of, you, I mean, of the you... three pros that are on this, Steve, if there was full body contact, you are in a world of hurt. I'm really dirty. Daniel's run was entertaining, but imagine if Steve's running the other way and just takes yeah. him out. Like, <laughs> Can I ask a question about your tactics? Because you kind of put it out there that you'd go hard at the start. And it was very wise because we're all sitting there prepared for something, doing, you know, the work for the first 60K and then you're just coming through and exploding through. So I think, um, yeah, congratulations on the tactics and being better than everyone in the race as well. So you just want, you won on both sides there and, and made it 100% you're going to win. So it makes us all think that we need to be a bit wiser in the lead up and think about it all a bit more. I think um, <laughs> to be honest, it was it was only because I, I did not really think I was in shape to do, a, do an Ironman. <laughs> uh, so I I I was sitting there before the race, actually thinking, okay, I I have to I have to do some uh, I have to do some trash talking before and kind of uh, lead people into thinking that I'll do certain things. <laughs> it's, it, you did well. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love so that, um, that was that, sorry, that was also the reason why I put up the two thirty the two two thirty marathon uh, picture because I thought like then they they think I'm in really good run shape and I'm I'm in good I'm, I am in good run nah, shape but I, I'm not in two thirty <laughs> I'm not in two thirty shape a two thirty seven run is still in pretty good shape mate yeah <laughs> yeah 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 and I'm, but, I'm I I did not at all think I would be able to run that so I'm I'm stoked for the race like I'm. Actually, really, really proud on how I handled uh, the situations there. But you know, sometimes also you also have to, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, <laughs> do a bit of talking before to uh, to stir things up. Oh, it made yeah. it made it's it a good. lot more fun. And um... yeah. but, but it was also it was also as as uh, as Berto said, like being in bed and not being able to train to train for four weeks uh due to singapore sickness um you know you can go to a race like this and feel great but it's still it's still a seven and a half hour uh, uh work day and you know you you can you can feel great the first seven hours but that's the last half hour you can just explode completely and that was, to be honest that was what i was most afraid of because i've not been able to put those like big blocks of training in before the race. Um, so that makes you think, you know, before the race, how can I actually, how can I do this well? And I, to be honest, on the bike, I was also like, I put in a couple of searches and I thought, oh shit, man, this is gonna bite, bite me in the ass when I when, when I come off the bike. Um, and also wh why I tried to, to put on some, I, I, I'm not sure if it actually worked on you, Matt, but... Um, I saw the first forty k or so. You you pulled down, uh, pulled in like uh, one minute and twenty or so, mm. and that was when I also thought, okay, if I put in a search now and he can see I'm in the front and I I overpace it a little bit and take back one minute, they will maybe not be as uh, as eager to get up the road as they were before, because um, I thought you also had spotters out there. Uh, so that whole mindset of of racing was actually it was it was really fun to do. Um, and also because I was scared as fuck. <laughs> <to be honest. laughs> um, Daniel, talking of um, sort of speaking a bit of shit, 
Australians, <laughs> Australians, Australians are known for sort of just some pretty slang gibberish terms that not many people from overseas understand. And so we've got a bit of a segment here where I want you to let me know if you can decipher what this Australian slang term is. Um, mm-hmm. We will kick it off with, yeah, you, you, you don't have to think about it too much. Just you don't know, you don't know, but you can also just have a guess. So first one to kick it off. If, some, if an Australian says, starts the sentence with, yeah, nah, <laughs> do they mean yes or do they mean nah? <laughs> uh, nah. Yeah, correct. Well done. You've, been, you've obviously oh. been here all. <laughs> I was going to say yeah. <laughs> oh, really? wow. But you're from, you're from Adelaide and no one's yeah. talks. We don't talk like this. Where? Where? <laughs> okay, if second one, and then I'll let Steve have a crack. If, if someone says something is a piece of piss, what, what do they mean? Oh, Steve first. No, no, I mean, Steve's got questions. You're, you're the only one who can answer this. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, we know, mate. We say it. Like, <laughs> really bad. Really bad it must be. Nah, that means it's really easy. So not not a bad ah. attempt. Like, you won Bustleton bustle Iron Man piece of piss. Piece All of right. piss. <laughs> ah, that, was just a, that was just a front cover. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, have you got any? Uh, I've actually only got ones that Reedy <laughs> sent to me because, as I told you, we speak properly down here in Adelaide. <laughs> um, uh, uh, what does up, y- up himself mean? If someone is up themselves. Uh, like he's up himself. extremely uh, arrogant, isn't it? Yes, yes. correct. Okay, well, that, yeah, uh, that, he was talking about himself. I heard, I heard that a lot in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if someone came up to you and said, a Sheila asked me for me digits at the local watering hole, <laughs> what does it mean? Oh, well. Do you want it again? A Sheila, a Sheila asked me for me digits at the local watering hole. Uh, it must be you've been down at the pub with the boys and a girl came up to you and asked for, the, for your phone number. Yes. Well there done. Far yeah. out. Amazing. Right. This guy, is, this guy is a good cunt. <laughs> <laughs> so what about... What about um, we're not here to fuck spiders. What would that be referring to? <laughs> uh, let's get the sh- let's get our shit together. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's more Aussie than me. Yeah. <laughs> Adelaide again. Adelaide. Yeah, that, that doesn't come as a surprise to you. Um, if someone was riding their bike flat out like a cut snake, what would they be doing? There must be, is that a term of Berto or? Uh... Oh, no. It would it would have yeah. worked well for Berto on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. just going just going flat out. Yeah, exactly. Ride it like you stole it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Any others? Chuck Berto? a sickie. That's what was it, Steve? I chuck a sickie. Nothing. <laughs> is, that, is that a is that a cocktail or something? <laughs> no, it's someone calling in sick for work. <laughs> ah, yeah, I'll get fair. You've done really well, mate. Yeah, that, that, was, good. that was probably well that was uh, Scott Steenberg on uh, in in the front page. <laughs> yeah, he chucked a sick. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Uh, do you know? Do you know? Do you know the Steinenbergen? Do you know him? <laughs> No, uh, he's like uh, he's like the annoying little brother. 
uh, you were kind of because uh, that was how I felt out there. I was kind of responsible for him at the same time. Uh, I was really annoyed at him. <laughs> I thought he was French. I didn't know who he was. I just had a go at him either. Way. Uh, he's, da- he's Danish. Yeah, he's okay. Danish. Yeah, but he's he's a good guy. Don't be too hard on him. Okay, he was naughty on Sunday, but I'll gi- I'll give him a break. Yeah. Um, Berto, have you got a fly? Uh, what have I got, man? I got. I'm only ten minutes from where I need to be, so I got a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so you have just. It's been a long uh, a relationship with Giant. You got a new bike mm. sponsor. Do you want to talk yeah, about sort that? of? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, where. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, one of the stores here actually mid year. So Giant was has been 15 years, um, and I've loved every every second of it. And I went through a lot of different injuries, which plenty of people do, but. You know, the bike, the loyalty I wanted to show to the brand was more so to people sort of say, oh, maybe it's a bike that doesn't work for you, but I always believed it was fine. Um, but, yeah, every, all good things come to an end, so it's it's not like I'm – I'm definitely, definitely not leaving on, on bad terms, but, um, yeah, Cervelo, I'll be riding Cervelo uh, into the new year, uh, which is quite daunting. Like, it's just actually organising – bikes and then obviously the setup at the moment but when you go and ride um quite fast in a race and then you're gonna pack that up it's like uh yeah i don't know the last few nights has almost kept me up a little bit because i'm thinking about what i gotta get gear wise and go to 12 speed i'm actually on a seven-year-old group set so (laughs) it's the first group set i got with the trinity um this current trinity so yeah, my uh, crank's got a crack in it and everything. So hopefully I'll be able to claim that on the Shimano callback. Um, but yeah, the uh, I, I've been riding the S5, the road bike. So I've only, I, I rode the, the, the giant TCR for 15 years. And um, I've been so impressed by, you know, obviously the, the your number one team in the in the world tour riding, riding the bike, but the suppleness and the stiffness uphill is what impressed me most because it's very aero road bike, but I honestly feel like when I ride it, I'm riding my TT bike. So, Steve, I, I know you know what a, a P5 feels like, mate, but for me, disc brakes will be nice. I found like riding with Nick on the weekend, he also had a P5, which I started just to get a bit envious, but going through corners, I have to brake with rim brake and the, the braking the spring loaded brakes on the Trinity aren't fantastic. So I have to brake quite early if I need to pull up into a corner or something. Whereas, you know, disc brake, the luxury is you can literally drop it in the last 10 meters around the corner and away you go. So, you know, that sort of stuff excites me because I like to get a bit loose on the bike sometimes, but, um, you know, and then I see Daniel set up and I'm like, well, you know, maybe, (laughs) maybe I should reach out to them, but, uh, no, but yeah, it's, it's I'll exciting. wait, wait till next year, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you got a new bike coming, Daniel? Uh, <laughs> little, little teaser. Little cockpit, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's exciting, but it's nice to, it was, it was really sweet for me to finish. I always, I've actually rode for sub four hours in training down there. Um, so it was really nice to do it when I needed to do it to a degree. I didn't, I actually... This sounds it sounds odd to say this, but I it's probably the worst I felt I rode in Busso in the nine times I've started there. Um, and thank you know Nick Thompson kept it pretty honest, but we also th- went through lap one in one fifty seven high, 
and I actually only broke two hours for the first time in Melbourne the other week. So we went out of town and I rode up next to him. I'm like, mate, we need to relax. Like we don't, we're not winning the race in this first 90. And then like seeing Daniel, he played it so well. If I could swim with the front pack, he played the race. He's, when I saw them out and he was sort of off, off the back on that first sort of out few segments, I was like, gee, that's smart. And then I got worried as soon as that gap went the other way, I was like, well, we're going to have to hold real patient here because then Nick, that youthfulness of Nick is like, yeah, let's, I'm feeling good. Let's get stuck in. But then I found, you know, fitness kicks in eventually. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was super enjoyable ride by the end. I, I really struggled through a lot of the start of it. Uh, but then you go and ride that time and it's obviously the bike's very fast and it's, then I'm going to rack it up on the wall. And I actually had it custom painted because I want to keep it to show Tom one day um, what bikes used to look like. So, um, yeah, that's it's not going anywhere. I've had a few people try and buy it off me since the weekend. <laughs> but I'm well, you're on selling. UCI Legal. You'll be on UCI Legal next year with the Cervelo. So you'll probably have to expect to go as slow as me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll we'll see how fast that. you'll make them pretty fast, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'll make some changes to it, no doubt. Probably too many changes. And that's the thing, right? You get a new bike and then you just, early on with the Trinity, I had to like, I was taking tools out on the road all the time. And, you know, I got mates that do the same thing, but it's such a bad habit to any age group of listening. Don't take tools and change your saddle angle and height when you're out on the road training. <laughs> Look at Reedy giggling. That was my, yeah. pre- my way to relax pre-race, just change the whole yeah, position. Right. <laughs> Graham O'Brien didn't help that, right? He used to go to the worlds and just take the bike out of the box and be like, oh, yeah, that looks good. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, it's the game's changed a little bit now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, Matt, how, how much, uh, how much like error testing and stuff like that are you actually are you doing? Is that, nah. is that something you are big nah. on? Or, no, nah, you've seen bus, you've seen Perth, it's about the size of Busso. So, uh, I have been over to Melbourne. So the guy that develops those uh, ride sync, develops those bars, I have been on the velodrome a few times, but it'll actually be a fair bit more now. Um, it interests me. It's just we're quite isolated here. So, mm. yeah, I've been fortunate. It's, with it's funny good- because uh, the Australian track team is quite big and yeah. it seems like you have a rich history in, in that terms and mm. they must be huge on aerodynamics. So that's also... Like I, I thought it would be kind of a no-brainer for basically all the Australians to go through mm. track testing because like obviously in Denmark we have the same and we look to other towards other sports and and how they are doing stuff. So I thought that was that would be the same done here. They're they're actually building a wind tunnel in South Australia at the moment. Which what? is yeah, there you go, Steve. That's uh okay. at the um at Sassy, so yeah, I know that's in operation. I, I'm just fortunate I've had a few mates that ride with some World Tour teams and I get some super, really good knowledge off them uh, whenever they go in, you know, and, and Durbo, he's been on Giant now for a few years. So I guess I was able to adapt uh, a couple of things which I liked what he was doing. So so um, for both of you guys, can you say what your CDA is or you don't want to share? Or you don't know better? I don't know. No, okay. I don't know. Daniel, do you know yours? <laughs> Uh, just below uh, point two. Holy yeah, well. yeah. So, Daniel, is there? <laughs> but, uh, is there but, 
But then again, that's I, I'm not sure that's a, that's not a position I would be able to hold for mm. for ninety. Or the, I would be yeah. able to hold the position, but it's all about like tucking your head like in in the perfect yeah. position and all that stuff. Yeah, and that's that's where it it like it's not really. <laughs> it's yeah. so taxing. Yeah, so, there, unless unless you can ride yeah. a race in that position, it doesn't really matter to be honest. Yeah, um, obviously you need a the perfect the perfect position, but. It's all about the training you do in in that position. It's, it's not about what you like the perfect lab you did on on a track or in in the wind tunnel and so on. So, I think that's also what a lot of people have to understand that we as especially as triathlete we have to adapt a lot into um, ways of testing and mm-hmm. um, and ways on on analyzing those numbers we get out of the testing. Is there a big difference, Daniel, between an aero tunnel and doing it on the velodrome? Is one much more accurate than the other? Uh, for different stuff, for different kind of testing, it's uh, the per- the two uh, the two are perfect, uh, but for different stuff and for different kind of testing. And um, you know, there's there's some testing out out any day. Use the the uh, wind tunnel for, and but the problem is it's very expensive and it's also <laughs> like you obviously you have to like book the times time slots for like a half year out or so um where the velodrome can be a little bit more accessible um so that's that's also why i mean you need you know you you can test different stuff on on in different uh different ways um but you also it's the same with power numbers you always have to be uh you always have to be like careful comparing stuff and uh you you yep. don't have the same power meter you don't have the same test day you don't like mm-hmm. even i can have uh one day with uh two uh, like 0.22 and then the next day i can go uh 0.19 like it's in cda it's it's you can't really compare it a lot just, just um, an extra long nasal hair setting off the basically um hey we clint's got one well thanks heaps Berto. we'll let you go to your appointment Thank mate, you guys. and congrats thanks. on such a good race um it's awesome you. to see you yeah, back, well done, back flying and yeah. um mm. especially as a dad i always root for mm. people that are that are dealing with a kid at home or, or more kids mm. so um good on you and clint um i think you had another question for daniel i can't even remember what it was but well before <laughs> before wa hey, boys. See you, See you uh, bef- before See WA you, and before Canberra, your vlogs were uh, you were pretty vocal, which was really good. Um, so it got me thinking hypothetically, if you could come down to the last kilometer in Hawaii, you're shoulder to shoulder, like Macca and Ray Lert, who would be the one person you would choose to outkick for the win and just tear their heart out? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good ponder. So, you don't I have really... to tear. You don't have to tear their heart out. You could just, just sort of mildly break their heart. <laughs> obviously, 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 we have. Um, I would love to do it with Magnus. That's not because I want to tear his heart out. That's because I think that could be the most epic uh, finish ever um, for the both of us. Because. Um, like I think he's probably the guy I respect the most out of all of my competitors, and um, 
you know, he's just he's a really good guy, and I I enjoy spending time with him, and that's also why uh, that would be awesome for for the two of us, and I think also for the sport. Um, then obviously also the Norwegians because uh, they have uh, dominated the last couple of years, and obviously that would be nice to uh, to show Christian that it actually hurts hurts most to lose. Um, he have to try it at some point. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's that's difficult. I don't uh, believe any of that. You hear that, Magnus? Daniel hates you. He's going to rip your heart. <laughs> he, he will take great pleasure in ripping your heart out along a Leahy drive. Hey, um, we really appreciate you taking the time, uh, Daniel. And how long are you in Australia for? I have um, a week more. Um yeah. Actually, heading down to Denmark today, uh, down to Western Australia or Southwest. Um, yeah, okay. we've we've had a couple of days uh, enjoying uh, some uh, nice win- wineries and um, some good food down here, and it's. I I think the whole Australian vibe just suits me uh, in in some ways better than the European actually because. Uh, <laughs> way more way more chilled i think that was also why i did some banter and in, going into the race because i i felt like the guys could actually take it and uh, <laughs> wouldn't be uh, w- wouldn't be mad about it uh, so, and that was will, actually cool for once will we see you down here next year at any point maybe june um i can't i can't in june uh unfortunately i would love to race can but um next year i can't Beautiful. Well, um, um, that's that's good for our guys. So, <laughs> yeah, you can um, you can fist me again at another time, <laughs> like like you promised pre-race. You did, you, did. you inserted it pretty gently. Uh, I think I pretty, think you gently. You, you, yeah, I'll not I'll not elaborate anything on that one. <laughs> well, but, no, you know, we we appreciate it so much for coming on and um, taking up enough of your time. So, thanks so much for. For coming on and congrats again, like an absolutely phenomenal performance. And you, we really hope, you know, now that we know you, we hope that you take that performance to world champs and um, break Magnus's heart. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, guys. It was a pleasure being on. Um, and seriously, I, uh, I've i loved racing down here, especially at WA. That was, uh, it was really special for me as well. So I actually feel the love and uh, the support from the Australian crowd. And um, I... It's not the last time you've seen me down here. That's uh, that's hundred percent sure. Um, so uh, I'll see you. Awesome, Thanks, good one. Thanks, Dan. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Dan. Cheers. See you. Ciao. So now we are going to roll to the other, not the other end of the spectrum. I don't mean to. I don't mean to discredit <laughs> you, Jordy. But come on, mate. Let's be honest. Let's be honest on the spectrum of things. It's the other end. <laughs> <laughs> we we um we did want to talk. Uh, like I. I I'll introduce you first. Uh, Pete Short has been a friend for a while and actually we were at a wedding and Shorty said to me, mate, I had a few drinks with a friend and I've made a huge mistake. I'm like, oh no, what have you done? Was it a female friend? Is she pregnant? What's going on? And uh, he said, no, it was a male friend. We've both signed up for Ironman WA and I, I think you said I haven't done a single bit of training in eight years. Um and I was like, that's that's all right, cool. Like, how much time have you got to train? And he was like, yeah, not much. Um, so, Shorty, talk to me. What's your role with work? Um, what was the main driver behind – sorry, to, for everyone listening, 
just when I said the other end of the spectrum, we're talking to an age grouper who really didn't uh, just managed an amazing turnaround in health and fitness in a very short amount of time. And someone that talked me into coaching him with a lot of persistence. <laughs> um, and yeah, so t- just t- tell everyone sort of what drove you to getting, giving Ironman another crack. And then I can even talk a bit about how hectic your schedule was and how amazing it was to do what you did. Yeah, sure thing, Reddy. Um, yeah, I think, for, yeah, I guess background, um, yeah, I did a bunch of Ironman racing back in the late 2000s. Um, and I think my last race was 2014. So it was about nine and a half years ago. It was in Cairns. Um, yeah, life gets in the way. I stopped training for a while. And then I got struck with an autoimmune disease in 2020. Um, and it was a pretty chronic one. It was a spondylitis-based one. So your immune system is essentially attacking your own joints. And it, it really sort of took me down pretty hard. Um, had, yeah, couldn't walk, couldn't use my legs much. Yeah, had to go through a couple of years of medication, sort of re- relearn how to walk without a limp and sort of get, get rid of some of the mus- muscle atrophy and things like that. And then I just kind of, I sort of accepted my fate that maybe, you know, doing any athletic stuff was kind of out of my, out of my scope going forward. Anyway, so I got through that and then, as, as Reedy said, um, yeah, went out for a few sake bombs and, yeah, like all great race registrations, had a couple of drinks and <laughs> decided that uh, maybe a comeback. And, and I, w- I wanted to go out on my own terms doing an Ironman as well, um, knowing, knowing that I had spent a lot of years on the sidelines. And so I think the words I used really at that wedding that you referred to was, I need someone to save me from myself. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I knew that I was going to have to kind of approach this in a very diligent fashion. I'm, I'm 48 and a half years old. I'm no longer in my late thirties. I'm approaching 50. The body's not what it was anyway, regardless of age. So that's kind of the background. Um, why I wanted to do it uh, kind of unfolded in a few ways. I think one, I, I never sort of got to choose my last Ironman race. So I was pretty keen to kind of do that knowing that it was and sort of race with a level of gratitude and a, an approach that I hadn't used in previous years. Um, so that was probably the, the driving factor you know, behind it. And yeah, to your point, had very limited time. You know, I, I work for a, a big multinational tech company. Uh, I do middle of the night conference calls regularly during the week. Um, and, and yeah, you, you can probably comment more on my schedule, but it, it was, it was a bit of a juggle uh, to, to, yeah, to be honest. So, yeah, so when, when we started, Shorty sent across his schedule. And um, keep in mind, I coached some, you know, some young age groupers wanting to be pro who might work a couple of shifts a week or, you know, I'll even th- – I won't actually throw a name in there, but or some of them, you know, sometimes you coach a pro and I remember maybe even being getting like this myself in my some of my easier years, but, you know, where they have a three- or four-hour commitment and then think they can't train that day or whatever it is. But Shorty – Shorty's schedule was pretty much, hey, I've got from like 4 till 5 a.m. today and then another hour from 9 till 10 p.m. Um, just those sort of crazy scheduling. I think it was like we were four or five weeks in and I'm like, um, Shorty, like I, I can I can work with a fair bit, but I can't work with this. <laughs> we're going to have to, you're going to have to take some leave or at least get some days to do some longer days. So we did sort of prepare your, your base early on with just... What do you? It was not a lot of training, six to seven hours a week, I think, early on, and then thankfully you you took some leave days and we were able to get a long day in, sort of once a week. But um, the biggest challenge early on, I remember we started and you said, "Oh, look, all my heart rate zones are really high," 
Um, <laughs> and we realized that they're actually not. You just never really worked your zone yeah. two range very well. You're just happy gray zoning everything. Um, but the change in fitness over how long was the whole prep? Um, it was about it was about six and a half months, and yeah, I, I don't, I, I'd never used heart rate right back in the day. I just go out and flog myself every day and then I'm at a race and hope for the best. Yeah, it was a different approach. Um, and pretty soon learned that your heart rate range was actually pretty much normal. Um, and the, I would say from the beginning, you were running what six and a half minute K, six minute K pace for let's yeah. for your zone two heart rate, and by by the end, you were sort of ticking along at four thirties. So. An absolutely phenomenal change. Um, talk to me about um, how, how did you work it with Sarah, your wife? Um, you know, all of the, these things take a big sacrifice from, yeah. from everyone. You do have two young kids as well as older kids as well. So just talk to me about, I think age groupers need to understand that if you're going to go into something like this and you don't want a divorce, it's got to be a, <laughs> it's got to, it's got to be a mutual decision and mutual organ like um, arrangement. Oh, mate, 100%. So um, after after said race registration, uh, I remember talking to Sarah on the Sunday. I had a bit of a, a little bit of a hangover. Um, <laughs> and I, I kind of said, look, I've, I've signed up for this thing. I think it's probably a good thing that I'd go through with it. And she kind of pondered it for a while. I think it was the Tuesday at work. I get this iMessage that pops through. Hey, babe, I just dug your old bike out of the back of the shed, wiped the cobwebs off and put air in your tires. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh, you beauty, she's, she's on board. So, um, yeah, I think to your point, Brady, it, it's it's super important, right? Like, it, it takes a lot of commitment and consistency and effort uh, from not just yourself but everyone around you that that needs time from you. Um, so I yeah had that discussion with Sarah up front. I think she, I think you might have even had had it with her at some point <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, but no, she was super supportive. But even even with that, I think. I was prepared to sacrifice, you know, some of my own sleep uh, and some other things so that I could kind of do it and not take away from the family too much. Those, you know, big Fridays that I did in that last five, six week block, I sort of took annual leave days to do it versus doing it on the weekend, some of those things. So I think um, for me, consistency and commitment was really important to get right for, for being able to turn up in Bustleton and, and, and have, a, have an okay day out, right, for, for someone at my, at my level. And there's no way, there's no way I would have been able to do that without Sarah and, and the support of the family around me. So hugely critical. I don't think you could undergo that, even with the limited time that I had, without having that level of kind of family commitment to the cause as well. Well, it's probably even more so important there, Shorty, because you're such a busy man that like those that that little time that you have to spend with the family, you're like, got to train. So as long as I guess... I always say to the guys you coach, as long as you're open, like you talk to your partner about it and they are yeah. on board, it's okay. But as soon as you don't discuss it, that's when the uh, the wheels seem to fall off. So it's really good that you had those chats yeah. early on. 100% clean. And you got to recalibrate a little bit too as training load builds because you, you kind of, you know, right up to the Penrith half, as Reggie said, we were managing a pretty, you know, sort of, manageable schedule but once yeah we, we both realized that we needed to kind of ramp it and so i think you have to constantly calibrate along the way and keep that communication going yeah um, i put everything in the calendar had everything laid out two weeks in advance at all times we, we had to juggle a little bit of course sometimes daily but mostly weekly but yeah recalibration and just keeping that communication open was was really key and then you get to enjoy it right at the finish line with with those folks that that have surrounded you and supported you through that process yeah 
for sure. Did this sort of training make your um the health issues that you did have any worse? Like like it's obviously a lot of training for someone with anything going on. Yeah, no, it didn't actually, Slavin. It was um uh so my my autoimmune is is managed with medication now, so that's kind of all under control. I think that the training and it really touched on it, like having like more zone two low heart rate training, like I just never really thought about that before. And so seeing my fitness and strength come back to me without punishing myself was like quite a unique experience so um yeah i was just you know super appreciative of that different approach and it kind of worked worked. it's it's something that a lot of like time um restricted people do if like like they think i've got 40 minutes i'm just gonna go and smash myself for 40 minutes yeah or like i've got that one session this weekend i've got to finish it completely ruined and it it just doesn't work so it's it's good to hear that and it's good for others to hear that too yeah yeah 100 percent. i sort of um always talk to my athletes that are finishing an ironman and sort of warn them of the post-race depression that might come on i mean (laughs) I i say depression but typically it's less than a week but um how, how are you feeling now? Like, obviously, the body's probably still a bit ginger, but how's the head and the mind after, you know, working towards something for so long? Obviously, there's the yeah. physical and mental exhaustion of putting yourself through it, but um, how does it compare to previous races and or are you coping all right now? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. It's not are you okay day, is it? Just, 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 I'm, I, think, I think it's a, it's a really big one. And no, I'm actually doing all right. You know, I kind of had a good mental attitude going into it and you know you never say never like if i get to win the lotto and retire or you know all of a sudden discover all this time in my life maybe i'd rethink it but for now like that was my last race and so i think the emotional piece really like as well as the adrenaline uh endorphins and dopamine and all the other stuff that kind of floods your body in the build-up and right at that event and then all of a sudden post days afterwards you don't have that anymore i've definitely felt that like i've definitely felt my body kind of change with those changing hormones but mentally i'm just like super appreciative and grateful that i got to do what i got to do and yeah going in with that mindset um and my experience at Busso, my 23 year old son surprised me the night before the race by arriving on plane plane train and bus and so he rocked up at our place in Busso the night before uh he was i think five years old when he saw me do my first iron man so he's you know 23 23 now um so i had that happen um yeah you and i spoke before the race and i had attitude of gratitude written in massive big bold writing on my left hand and i looked at that constantly through the day um and then i had last 20k written on my right hand right and i literally i I forced myself not to look at it too much i just sort of focus on the gratitude but knowing that i had to set up that last 20k so when i got to that 20k mark and it's, it's a weird thing bit of a circle here but as i got to the last couple of k Adam, my son, runs up next to me and goes, hey, dad, you're tracking to finish one minute past 10 hours just in case you've got anything left to give. <laughs> and I was I was kind of all in at that point. But, yeah, at that point I thought, you know, screw it. This is my last nine, man. I'm going to go absolutely, you know, boards down right now and manage to, to get a couple of sub fours in at the end just to kind of close it out sub 10 hours, which 15 years ago, age 33, I did my first ever sub 10 at Basso. 
Yeah, wow. So how, how cool was that? To pretty much that? pretty much on the same bike too. So you can't we can't yeah, say yeah, pretty, we, yeah. we, 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 can't, we can't say that it was an improvement in equipment either. Yeah. It's actually the same, it's using the same shit. It's the same stuff, right? So so that was kind of a there were lots of like serendipitous moments. So and I think that's why to answer your question, my mental state has actually been pretty good yeah. afterwards. I I wasn't deflated because I didn't, you know, break nine hours or qualify for Kona. Um I I just yeah, had a different mindset. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. Thanks, mate. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I think uh, when, when you go into the events with, uh, we all know it's going to hurt, right, at some point. And if you oh, go yeah. into it. That's why you go into it. Boom. Yeah. Do you go in knowing why you're willing to let it hurt or why you've signed up or the bigger picture? It does yeah. make it a lot more enjoyable towards yeah. the end. And it also makes it easier to just embrace that pain and just go, I'm here totally. because of this. And um, you end up coming away from it with a lot better a lot better experience yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah that last couple of k's I, unless adam had run up next to me and and told me i don't think i would have you know yeah. really that last little bit towards the end so watching watching your finish mate i think there was another couple of people standing there that might have been a bit teary to enjoyed the moment so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i did i did cry a lot I, 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 I hugged the family and just and just like <laughs> let it all out you know? yeah yeah <laughs> Well, you ran past and they took you through and because you and I was like, oh, I can't miss him. And so I ran through, but there was a blockade. So I've gone to jump the fence and I've clipped the fence <laughs> and just landed flat on my back. And everyone's like, oh, are you all right? I'm like, out of my way. <laughs> just ran, ran straight to the fence to try and catch you. But yeah, um, definitely an emotional one, knowing what went into it. And for anyone listening, um, yeah, you can do it if you really want to plan it out and be dedicated because that was about as dedicated a prep as I've seen based on time restraints, young family, all that sort of stuff. So we just thought it'd be good to have you on, Shorty. First of all, just to celebrate what you did, but just to, um, I don't know, it sort of inspire people who are sort of wondering whether it's possible for them. So, Yeah, thanks. thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on and listening to a bit of the story. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Thanks, mate. I'll be in touch. All right. <laughs> See ya. So pretty much wraps it. Steve, do you want to give any plugs for anything coming up? Just mention buy nerd belts or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we've got a um, really important ad coming up on the triathlon hour soon for nerd belts. So <laughs> hopefully, yeah. hopefully it gets some traction. <laughs> uh, I think belts, I think one, one thing worth mentioning, um, we always point out the maniacs in the sport, Simon Cochran set the Ultraman world record in Hawaii mm. uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I, I don't have splits in front of me. It was very impressive. I think he ran a 6.0, like it was under 6.10 maybe, double marathon. But yes, it's a maniac effort, crazy. But then I looked through the start line for Taupo 70.3 this weekend, who is on that list two weeks later after doing Ultraman. Simon Corcoran. So wish you all the best. I hope you beat everyone because you deserve it, you maniac. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, we did, I will just mention, um, we did some sweat testing in Busso. Um, it was the, one of the main things I think that people might be surprised at is I got a lot of emails after the race saying, thanks so much, first time not cramping, first time, you know. And a lot of those people actually reduced the amount of sodium they were taking in. So it's not just about, I'm not about selling product, I'm about, dialing in a better hydration and nutrition plan for you. And we go through a lot of different things, you know, whether you're going to tolerate fructose, whether you're not, 
how if you got high sodium rates, we drop the carbs down, all these sorts of things. Um, and I will be doing two days of testing over the weekend of um, fr- Friday the 15th, I'm pretty sure, and Sunday the 17th in Sydney. So if you are interested, um, I'm probably only going to make space for about eight tests. So I'll be down there and have things on the Saturday, but the Friday and Sunday I'll be doing some testing. So email me at tim at rpgcoaching.com if you're keen to have a chat and have your nutrition hydration plan all dialed in for a huge 2024. Cool. Awesome. Uh, I'll just finish off by saying thanks to you both for this year. Um, if Reedy wasn't at races, Clint was, and um, you guys are pretty incredible before and after races, particularly after races. But um, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's it's just um, you're always offering help. I don't usually need too much pre-race, but it's cool to con- continually have it offered. And um, yeah, you're like you are running around after your athletes constantly, so that's really cool to see. It's uh, very much appreciated, and I'm going to send you a few. Um, Oh, I was going to make a really insensitive Use joke. <laughs> Use, Use <laughs> just leave it. Leave yeah. it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I'll just, I'll, yeah, I was just sending send a thank some... you in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Mate, it's, it's, it's our pleasure. Um, yeah. It's, it always sounds super corny, but like, like when you love what you're doing, you go home and if you actually tallied up the hours, you'd be like, wow, this, oh, is, man. this yeah. is stupid. But it's... Um, <laughs> It's so, so enjoyable to, when you know people's story, all like from Shorty all the way through to the guys who are racing for a living, when you know their story, the sacrifices, it's just the best gig ever. So no worries. We enjoy it. Oh, thanks. It's cool to see you both very patient with my hate for the sport um, when I had such a love for the sport just six months ago. So mm-hmm. it's come back now, I think, because of that race just now and you both didn't really push me or... um yeah, you just kind of knew what to do with um with my hate. So you just kind of let let it be, and you you knew that it would pass because you know I'm a frother deep down. So thank you. My pleasure. It's always and it's always a privilege to work with you, Steve. As much as it's a roller coaster ride as well. <laughs> um, see you, right, uh, everyone. Thanks for listening. And hey, we always pay ourselves out for not having any listeners, but it's actually grown to quite a big listener base. So we thank you very much for listening. Um, we never expected to have you know, thousands tuning in. It still shocks me when people say it at races. So we might even start putting some work into this thing. Yeah. And we actually like. What are we around 50,000, 50,000 now? Give give or or take a little bit. um, No, on on a serious note, we very much like we leave the races shocked when people say to us like, Hey, I love the podcast. It's a bit like, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. So, um, What do we we got to say? What does everyone else say? Give us a like, a share, a a follow, all that stuff. $10,000 in sponsorship, (laughs) whatever whatever you want. All right. Buy a mug. (laughs) 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 We don't even make any money on the mugs. Yeah. There'll be mugs coming out soon, so yeah, buy a mug. (laughs) Speaking of mugs, talk to you two later. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys.